Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Former brother, hello. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family and Podcast and We've got a great podcast for you. It's in the second segment. We've got CBS Sports' Danny Vietti. He does a terrific work over there. Also does his own podcast, the Wake and Rake Podcast. You're able to catch that podcast wherever you get this podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. list goes on and on. We're going to be chatting with him in the second segment about what we've all seen this early MLB season. Can we expect pitchers to get stretched out a little bit more? Is that going to be coming in May? Is that going to be coming a little bit later in general? How in the heck the Oakland A's have been able to get off to a relatively solid start to this season and some of the things that he's going to be watching for for Monday as well. So a nice in-depth chat with Danny in the second segment. Then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Monday. As we touch them all, first things first, always do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. And if you got one or two ways to be able to this in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters CM. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline and the other ways find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. We did not wind up getting in a whole heck of a lot of questions today, and for all of you guys that wind up celebrating it, happy Easter to you guys a little bit late, as I know that it was Easter Sunday as well. So hopefully, you guys all wound up having a very wonderful holiday yesterday. So let's take a look at what we wound up getting on Easter Sunday. Hopefully, it was a bunch of non rotten eggs as we take a look at everything that we wound up getting, try to find some trends, and try to get to another these seems a little bit better. Games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. There is one team in the MLB thus far that has not played an over this 
season, and that would be the poopy Baltimore Orioles. They've had, I believe, two pushes on their totals, but seven unders, no overs, and that was more of the same on Sunday as the Yankees cannot get a single run on the poopy Orioles. 5-0 the final as Bruce Zimmerman with two ends on the end of Zimmerman. Good start here, five scoreless settings, and then you wind up having Dylan Tate, Ore Lopez combined for three scoreless settings, and Felix Batista also tossed a scoreless setting for the New York Yankees. Nestor Cortez wound up delivering a great start here. 12 punch outs, five innings, scoreless. And then Jonathan Wisego has actually been very good out of the Yankees bullpen. He gets destroyed, giving up four runs over the course of a, an inning. Lucas Lukey, he winds giving up a run in a third of an inning. Chad Green was able to give you one and two-thirds inning scoreless, but for the Orioles, just a five spot in the eighth inning. Wound up being able to put them over the top, so Wisego, not necessarily a great night there. It was a good day for the Boston Red Sox, so 8-1. to one, They wind up getting to the Minnesota Twins to be able to get a W as Bailey Ober. He takes a loss, but this guy did not deserve the loss. Two unearned runs over the course of six innings. He pitched very well in this game, but for the Minnesota Twins, they were without Byron Buxton in this one, dealing with a little bit of an injury, and he could not wind up getting anything generated whatsoever. Michael Waka, which typically we make the dying Pac-Man voice for Waka, but... He didn't deserve it in this one. Five scoreless innings. He pitched very well. Matt Stram gets the win despite the fact that he winds up giving up the only run that the Twins wind up getting one run in one and a third innings. Give it up. Ryan Brazier gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen and then Jake Diekman, Austin Davis. They both give you a scoreless setting, but for the Boston Red Sox, four of seven with men in scoring position. They put up a six spot in the eighth inning as Caleb Thielbar gives up four runs in a third of an inning and then Cody Stashek gives up two runs and two-thirds of an inning as Ty Duffy was able to give you a scoreless inning. So Red Sox are able to get it done out there for the poopy Pittsburgh Pirates. They were able to get it done against the not-so-great Washington Nationals. 5-3 to three, the final for the Nats. Patrick Corbin, not a bad start here. Gives up two runs over the course of five and a third innings. Been a very tumultuous last 12 or so months for Patrick Corbin, so he was able to do his part there. Victor Arano was able to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen, but Steve Ciszek, boy, he was not good in this one. He gets one out, and he gives up three runs. From there, Sean Doolittle, well, he did something. He gave you a pair of outs out of the bullpen, and then Andres Machado was able to give you a squirrel ascending, but for the Nats, they wind up leaving 10 men on base. No home runs for them. As for the Pirates, Jose Quintana, not a great start out of him. Three runs given up over the course of four innings. But William Crow, former starter, comes in in long relief. Two and two-thirds inning scoreless. Heath Emery is able to give you four outs out of the bullpen. And then David Benar was able to give you a scoreless setting as the Pittsburgh Pirates. No home runs out of them. Lack of power for them. But they were able to go two of nine with men in scoring position to be able to get it done there. Ace do not wind up getting the outright win. But that's actually a not-so-bad price on the run line. They were able to cover that 4-3. They wind up losing to the Toronto Blue Jays as for the A's, you did wind up having a rough go of it for Adam Aller. Young guy probably should not be up at the big leagues right now. Three runs, two of which were earned, given up in three and a third innings, but bullpen went to work from there. You wound up having an under run given up by Ryan Kesselani in two-thirds of an inning. You wound up having Jacob Lemoyne coupled with Mr. Zach Jackson give you three scoreless settings. Sam Maul gives you a scoreless setting, and for the Oakland A's, you wound up having Stephen Voigt, who is very, very long in the tooth. He winds up getting his first home run of the season as Alec Manoa Manoa, what? This guy was pretty good, giving up two runs over the course of six innings. Tim Mazza along with Adam Simber, they combined for two innings. Simber gave up a run in the process, and Jordan Romano was able to get a save, but for the Toronto Blue Jays, offense has been a little bit scuffling recently. They do wind up going 
men in scoring position just two of 11 in this one and it's a Blue Jays team that they have scored four runs or fewer now three out of their last four games and I believe that it's now five out of their last seven so been a little bit interesting to take a look at them in the early part of the season the Arizona Diamondbacks just continue to be absolutely terrible with the bat five to zero the final the Arizona Diamondbacks they go five of 32 at the plate and they entered in this game hitting a buck 53 Roberto Casiano is actually not a bad start here for the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Diamondbacks pitching not terrible Four innings pitch. He doesn't wind up giving up a run. Did give up three outs, but avoided danger. But from there, Noe Ramirez winds up giving up two runs in two-thirds of an inning. Senior citizen Oliver Perez gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning. Matt Peacock gives up two runs in two innings, including home run going deep for the New York Metropolitans. Pete Alonso, third home run the season. Then you wind up having a pair of outs out of the bullpen from Kyle Nelson. But absolutely nothing doing for the Arizona Diamondbacks and for the Mets. David Peterson. Great name. Four and a third inning scoreless. And then Trevor Williams. He's able to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Jason Shreve, two scoreless innings. And then Drew Smith and Edwin Diaz. Able to give you a scoreless eighth and ninth inning for the Mets to be able to get the job done there. And for the Mets, they now find themselves at 7-3. and three. And the team out there in the National League that actually has a better record than that, that'd be the San Francisco Giants at 7-2. and two. They take down the Cleveland Guardians by a count of 8-1. to one. And for the San Francisco Giants, you want to have a pair of long balls as Sario Estrada gets his second home run season off of Aaron Savali and Brandon Belt, he belts his third of the season. That winds up coming off of Mr. Anthony Castro. Castro gives up two runs in an inning for Savali. Four runs, three of which were earned, given up over the course of four innings. From there, Anthony Ghost was able to give you a scoreless inning, but Eli Morgan, two runs given up in an inning. Connor Pilkington, two scoreless innings. I actually like what he's able to bring to the table for the team and for the Guardians. An offense that has been white hot to begin the season. They wound up getting cooled off by Alex Wood. He laid the wood with five scoreless settings. Zach Liddell was able to give you scoreless settings. Sammy Long was able to as well. And Tyler Beatty, first time he's been on the mound in a very long time, gives up one run over the course of two innings. Another team that has been relatively solid out there in the National League, that would be the LA Dodgers, as they are now 7-2. They get a 9-1 win over the Reds, who they've got the worst record in the big leagues right now at 2-8. That's what you get for selling off all of your good pieces. And Tyler Molly, who since the beginning of the 2021 season entered in this game with right around a 2-2 ERA on the road, got shelled. Seven runs given up in three and two-thirds innings. To the credit of the bullpen, it wasn't too bad. Art Warren does wind up giving up two runs in two-thirds of an inning, but you were able to get a nod out of the bullpen from Ryan Hendricks. You wound up having Alexis Diaz, Jeff Hoffman giving you a scoreless inning, Luis Sessa, four outside the bullpen, but for the Cincinnati Reds, absolutely nothing doing, even against Andrew Heaney, he looked like just a Cy Young Award winner in this game. 11 punch-outs, one in allowed in six innings. I don't expect too much of more of that from Andrew Heaney, but he looked terrific. Alex Vesia is able to give you a scoreless setting, and Justin Brule just wind up giving up a run on over the course of two innings, but for the Dodgers, they've scored at least four runs, and now seven out of their nine games this season. There's only one other team that could say that. That's the Chicago Cubs who now clock in at 5-4, to four, and they get a 6-4 to four win. Over the Colorado Rockies for the Cubbies. You want to have a Wilson Contreras get a second home run of the season. And Seiji Suzuki, who winds up coming over from Japan, has looked tremendous. His fourth home run of the campaign as Drew Smiley. Something to smile about. Four and two-thirds innings scoreless now. Scott Efros, Michael Rucker, they both pitched two-thirds of an inning. They both wind up giving up two runs. But Michael Givens, along Daniel Robertson, and Rowan Wick, will be giving you a scoreless setting. And for the Colorado Rockies, Austin Gomber got gombered up. Five runs, four of which were earned, given up in four and a third innings, giving up one of those bombs. And then Eshin Gadu, two and two-thirds innings, he winds giving up one of those solo jobs as well. Tyler Kinley, Justin Lawrence, they give you a scoreless inning, but... For the Colorado Rockies, just not a lot doing for this team. One of seven with Ben in scoring position, so they wind up taking the L in that one. The Seattle Mariners may have found a good young pitcher that I'm sure they were aware of. Many folks out there outside of Seattle 
may not have been as Matt Brash, a good start in the Seattle Mariners 72 win. Jose Arakidi winds up giving up six runs over the course of four innings, by the way, for the Houston Astros. That was not so great for them. The bullpen from there was not too bad. Blake Taylor, Ryan Stanek, Parker, Muzitski, they were all able to give you a scoreless inning, and then you wind up having a run given up in an inning by Ranella Blanco, but for the Houston Astros, they've actually been in the bottom 10 with the guards batting average to begin the season. Michael Brantley was able to go deep off of Mr. Brash for his first home on the season, but how brash was it for him? Two runs given up in five and a third innings, including that home run, but Paul Sewell, pair of outside the bullpen, and then you wind up having Diego Castillo along to his second rider and Andres Munoz. I'll give you a scoreless setting out of the bullpen. So the Mariners now find themselves at five to, and five in. Other than when they wound facing against Justin Berlander, not a bad weekend for them. Not a bad weekend for the LA Angels as they wind up being able to take down the Texas Rangers by a count of eight to three. Now, what was bad in this one is that Mike Trout wound up getting hit in the hand in this game. He winds up leaving and X rays, they are going to be conducted overnight, so we're going to be seeing on that, but even with Toronto out of the fold, Angels 7-14 with Ben in scoring position. Joey Otani was able to have himself in RBI in this one, and everyone was sitting at Jose Suarez. Not a great start in this one. Three runs given up in four and a third innings, but I had to like what you wound up seeing out of Jaime Barilla along Jimmy Ergoat. Both of these guys had two innings. Both of these guys did not allow a single run with Ergoat getting five punch-outs in those two innings. Mike Myers, not funny for the Texas Rangers. They wound up getting a pair of outside the bullpen, and Marty Perez. Well, not necessarily the start that he was looking for. Four runs, three of which were earned, given up over the course of four innings with three walks in the process. Spencer Patton a scoreless setting, and then you wound up having Blake Martin and Matthew Bush be able to give you a scoreless setting, but two runs given out without a single out from Mr. Nick Snyder. You wound up having the King go for one and a third inning scoreless as John King was able to provide that, but a pair of runs in two-thirds of an inning given up by Brock Burke as well, and for the Texas Rangers, just a case in which they've invested a lot of money into some power bats, and Marcus Simeon currently hitting a buck twenty-eight. That has been relatively rough for the team. And then when it comes to Corey Seager, he wound up getting the day off in this one as he did wind up having going to Elise Garcia be able to get a second home run of the season. The Tampa Bay Race wind up utilizing a bullpen game to be able to avoid a sweep at the hands of the Chicago White Sox. This by a count of nine to three. For the Rays, no home runs in this one, but 5 of 16 with Ben in scoring position. The starter in this one was JP Fireisen. Nobody went more than two and a third innings as Fireisen, two scoreless in this one. Chris Mazza does wind up giving up two runs, but only one of which was earned. He was hurt by a little bit of tough fielding, but also did wind up giving up five walks. So the fact that he only wound up giving up two total runs should feel a little bit fortunate there. Tommy Romero winds up giving up one run over the course of two innings, and that one run was a solo job to Gavin Sheets first home run of the season. But that said, the Tampa Bay Rays also were able to have Jalen Beeks coupled with Ryan Thompson combined for two and two-thirds inning scoreless. And for the Chicago White Sox, Vinny Velo, Vince Velasquez. He looks like the Vince Velasquez of old. Four runs, three of which weren't given up in four and two-thirds innings. And then the bullpen could not wind up doing a lot. Got four outs out of the bullpen out of Tanner Banks, but you wind up having a run in one and a third innings given up by Matt Foster. Kyle Crick gives up a run in an inning. Has not been able to pan out since coming over from Pittsburgh. And Anderson Severino comes in. Gets two outs, gives up three runs in the process, and for the White Sox, oh, five with men in scoring position. So that was a little bit of a rough go for them. The Miami Marlins have not been able to put up a lot of big numbers all season long. This is a team that, as a matter of fact, they wound up breaking the four run plateau in a game that 
ended in regulation for just the third time this season on Sunday as they completely pound the Philadelphia Phillies by a count of 11-3. And you do want to be looking at some of these guys that they wound up not necessarily pitching a lot in spring training. Zach Wheeler is one of them, which is why it was on the Marlins on Sunday. Gives up seven runs in three innings, Wheeler does. He's going to be very solid in the summer months, but right now, he needs to find himself. Christopher Sanchez from there, he winds up giving up three runs in three and a third innings. Brad Hand was able to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen, and Jose Alvarado gives up one run in one inning, and the Marlins get these 11 runs without getting a single home run. Meanwhile, the Phillies wind up getting two of them. Kyle Schwarber goes deep off of Anthony Bass. Hook line and sinker, second home run season, and Bryce Harper gets his second home run season off of Eliezer Hernandez. Hernandez gives up that solo job over the course of six innings, just one run in total, so he did his part. Anthony Bass gave up his solo home run to Schwarber in his inning. Cole Solzer gives up a run in an inning, but Lewis Head was able to give you a scoreless inning, so that was a very effective win for them, and it was an effective win for the Milwaukee Brewers. 6-5 the final. Devin Williams did wind up getting in a lot of trouble in this one. He winds up giving up two runs and two-thirds of an inning, and for Aaron Ashby, he wound up getting the start. He does wind up giving up three runs over the course of four innings. The four walks were relatively unacceptable, but all three of these runs were unearned as Colt Wong, who's been off to a rough start to the year, to say the least, hitting below the Mendoza line and committed his second fielding error of the season on departing Mr. Ashby, but Jake Cousins, John Del Gustave, Brad Boxberger, Josh Hader, all able to give you a scoreless setting, and Trevor Gott comes out of the bullpen. He's able to give you an out of the bullpen, and for the Brewers, could have been even more. They go 2 of 12 with Bennett scoring position. Dakota Hudson had a little bit of a rough go of it. Goes just three innings, gives up four runs, three of which were earned. Bullpen from there went to work. You wound up having Drew Verhagen, who was pitching in the continent of Asia the last few seasons. I believe that he was in Japan last year. He winds up giving up two runs in an inning, but Jordan Nix, two scoreless innings. TJ McFarland is able to give you a scoreless inning. Cody Whitley was able to give you a scoreless inning as well, but for the St. Louis Cardinals, really the big shot of this game came off of Ashby in the form of Albert Pools. Second home run of the season, so Albert Pools, MDHing for the St. Louis Cardinals reunion. So far, so good for them. And then the night wrapped up with the Slam Diego Padres being able to get the job done. DK Nation pick winds up coming through here as 2-1 to one is the final for you, Darvish, a very good start for him after he wound up getting completely shelled against the San Francisco Giants. It would allow a solo home run in this one as Marcel Ozuna. Now with his fourth home run in the campaign, but for Darvish, six and two-thirds innings, allows that solo home run, but gets eight strikeouts in the process. Then from there, you wind up having Luis Garcia and Tyler Rogers both give you a scoreless setting. Steven Wilson, he winds up coming in for an out as well. And for the Atlanta Braves, Bryce Elder, he takes a loss. It was a case in which he didn't wind up giving up too much. Gives up two runs over the course of four and a third innings, but five walks, three hits allowed in the process. So could have been a whole heck of a lot worse. And then you wind up seeing Spencer Strider come in in long relief. 23-year-old looked very good. Three and two-thirds innings. Didn't even allow a hit, but the Padres were able to do just enough with the walks that they were able to draw to be able to get the job done. And if you take a look at the MLB and what we've all seen this season, it's been quite a few unders. We wound up seeing quite a bit more of a surge on overs on Sunday as you did wind up having a pair of pushes on the total, but seven overs, five unders, so that was a step in the right direction there. Underdogs, they wind up going 7-7 seven and seven straight up, and against the spread, it was a case of which two of those favorites wound up winning by one run, so favorites only went 5-9, and nine, being able to cover the run line, and if you take a look at the entirety of the MLB season, still very much an under season thus far, 77 unders, 55 overs, and you've had a couple pushes in there, and for underdogs, 60-81 and 81 straight up, hitting at above 42.6%, which it's not too bad. If you're getting plus prices like you have been with teams like the Oakland A's, you certainly have been able to make some coin, and for the run line, the favorite, only covering 42.3% of the time at 60 and 82. So, that's what we've been seeing in Major League Baseball on Easter Sunday. Now, 
Let's take a look at what we've all got in the first week plus of the season. When are we going to be seeing these pitchers stretched out a little bit more? What to make out of the Oakland A's and what we're going to be taking a look at Monday as well. We're going to be joined by Danny Vietti of CBS Sports along with the Wake and Rake podcast. We'll talk about that and so much more right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Craig Peterson, now part of the Beast Family Podcast. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton, you don't watch Creighton, they play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton, because I agree with Shannon, the dude today, Creighton's never going to win anything, stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not, never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? See the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. 
Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my <laughs> Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. 
and we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, and it is great to be joined by our guests as this man does absolutely terrific work over there with CBS Sports, and he also does a podcast of his own. That'll be the Wake and Rake podcast. You're able to find that podcast wherever you get this podcast as we do have Danny Vietti joining me right here on the show. You're able to follow him on Twitter at Easy Enough. His name, Danny Vietti, last name is spelled V-I-E-T-T-I, and then for the Wake and Rake podcast, you're able to find that at Wake and Rake Pod all together. And that is with, by the way, Will Middlebrook, someone who wound up winning a World Series back in the day, was with the Boston Red Sox. And Danny, great to have you aboard. Thank you. Yeah, always a good time joining you. And even here on Easter Sunday, happy Easter to you and everybody out there. A happy Easter to you as well. And it was a very happy Easter for many teams that were able to pick up W's. But I take a look at what is happening right now in Major League Baseball, first week plus of the season. And I think that we will both be in agreement. Starting pitchers haven't been allowed to go as far as typically we would see. Typically, you do wind up seeing starting pitchers go a little bit shorter with regards to their pitch count. But this year, it's sort of been a little bit more demonstrative. I think a lot of this has to do with that shortened spring training. How do you think managers are going to be maneuvering these starters within the next, I would say, two or so weeks? Do you think that this is going to be more like what we typically find with opening day and then maybe a little bit more towards the start of May, we wind up seeing these pitchers wind up going their normal 100 or so pitches, or do you think that they're going to take a little bit of a different approach? It's a loaded question. I don't think what we're seeing now is all that different than what we've been seeing in recent years. Jose Brios comes to mind. It was facing Milwaukee. I want to say it was before he got traded to Toronto, so it had to have been when he was with Minnesota. And he had a no-hitter through six innings. I believe this was last year. We thought it's one, yeah. People were throwing their hands up in the air. But he was dominating. I want to say at 10-plus Ks through six innings. His pitch count was approaching 100. And it wasn't his first start of the season. I want to say it was his second. But regardless, don't have the box score in front of us. But this isn't the first time, and I'm, of course, referring to the Kershaw Perfect game, where he was taken out after seven innings. This isn't the first time in recent years that we've seen a pitcher taken out with a no-hitter and or perfect game intact. That's what baseball is in today's age. It's disappointing as a fan. Kershaw in particular, a guy that's 34 years old, arguably the greatest pitcher of his generation, him and Max Scherzer. He has won a World Series. He's thrown a no-hitter. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. The only thing he possibly doesn't have on his resume is a perfect game. That's not a knack on him or a knock on him at all. There's only been 23 perfect games in MLB history. So that's perhaps the only thing left to check off his list. And uh, so it's disappointing as a fan because, of course, we want to see that. From a baseball perspective, of course, you understand it. Kershaw only had one simulated start before his first start, which was that perfect game into the seventh inning. That was his first start of the season. Before that, he had only thrown a little bit more than 60 pitches in a sim game. To your point, we had the lockout. For that reason, pitchers were only able to work themselves up to 80 to 90 pitches. Talking in circles at this point, but it's all to say that we've seen it in recent years, especially it's very, very similar to that 2020 COVID season when we did have a condensed spring training. It's very, very similar and very reminiscent of that year. Pitch count wise, the way they're going to operate coaches, how they're going to handle their pitching staffs. So we've seen it in recent years, and I would expect to see it maneuvered and um, operated in a similar way that we saw in 2020. You may not have had that Jose Barrios box score in front of you, but in the meantime, we were able to pull it up. Jose Barrios in that start, it was April 3rd. So it was actually his first start of the season. 84 pitches, six shutout innings, did not allow a hit, did not allow a walk, 12 punch outs, got pulled out of the game. 
absolutely terrible. So, yep, <laughs> to your point, that is something that we have seen in the past. And he did not wind up working himself up past, I think, 90 or so pitches until the month of May for a little bit of reference there, as we do have Danny Vietti joining me on the podcast. I think that that's going to be very interesting to take a look at for the remaining part of April. And then once we wind up hitting May, if it winds up jumping up a little bit more, but something else that I take a look at with regards to baseball as well is you just take a look around the league. And we've been noticing that there have been a few teams in general that they have just not been able to put bat to ball. Batting averages have been going down in recent years in general, but I mean, some of these teams are really bad out there in the National League. I'm looking at the Cincinnati Reds. I'm looking at the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm looking at these teams that they just cannot hit water if they fall out of a boat, hitting below the Mendoza line of 200. I recognize that it's early on in the season, but should there be a little bit of concern that just the analytics of baseball in general, the three true outcomes, is maybe taking a little bit too much hold on some of these teams? Because I take a look at some of these bad offenses and, they're just not even offering competitive at-bats right now. That's fair to say. There's certainly a correlation between analytics and batting average and the uh, the lowering of batting average, if you will. That's a factual, objective statement. There's no doubt about it. There's more reliability on the long ball, and that's been happening for years, the past decade. But the two teams that you pointed out, and they are the two worst-hitting teams so far this season, the Reds and the Diamondbacks. I don't want to point to analytics for being the sole reason for those teams being so disappointing in the lineup because neither of those teams added anything in the offseason. The Diamondbacks were had the worst record in the National League last season. They didn't add much of anything in the offseason. The Cincinnati Reds depleted their entire roster, trading away guys like Sonny Gray, losing Nicholas Castellanos to free agency. They didn't add anybody. They're in rebuilding mode. So a team like the Diamondbacks that's hitting 152 through a week and a half doesn't surprise me because the lineup was atrocious last season and they didn't add anything in the offseason. Cincinnati Reds, again, they depleted their entire roster. And not to mention, they have been a very poor batting average team the past three seasons. They were the first team when they made the playoffs in 2020. They were the first team to either be last or second to last in batting average in the National League, but still make the playoffs two seasons ago. So, even with when they had their roster intact with Castellanos and company, they still in Jesse Winker, they still weren't a high batting average team. So I wouldn't completely say that I, I wouldn't blame it on analytics completely. These are just two teams that are just a poor hitting team all around. Analytics or not. Yeah, to your point, the Cincinnati Reds, when they wound up making the postseason in 2020, they had a 209. Now, that was in 60 games. You got to figure in 162 games, that probably would have seen a little bit of progression upwards from that. But boy, oh boy. Yeah, that was a really rough season for them, as we do have Danny Vietti joining me right here on the podcast. And then when it comes to what we've all been seeing with regards to surprise teams to the positive and the negative, you're out there in the state of California. I think it's really been intriguing to take a look at these teams because I note up the LA Dodgers being the most consistent offense at this point with regards to scoring runs. That's not really too much of a surprise. And the Angels wound up having a nice series against the Texas Rangers. Not sure about that intentional walk given to Corey Seager in that series, but Pass that a very solid series for the LA Angels. But I take a look at the Oakland A's. I recognize the fact that they wound up losing on Sunday, but this is a team that 
they've now been able to win five out of their last eight games. This is a team that really nobody expected anything out of. I'm not going to go out here and say that this is a team that's going to be making the postseason. They're going to be barreling down the hatches and win the American League West or anything like that. But I take a look at this Oakland A's team and a team that many people thought was going to be a pushover coming into the year. I think that we've got to change our tune about them a little bit. I'm not sure where you stand on them, but I like what I've seen out of this A's team thus far. It's the Oakland way, isn't it? I mean, we should have seen this coming. We've seen it time and time again. This team completely gets rid of their entire roster, and then they find these lightning-in-a-bottle players, guys like Sheldon Noisy. Uh, We've seen it so many times, and yet we keep getting fooled. They get rid of Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, Chris Bassett. Those are three all-stars. Then you get rid of Shamanai, a guy who's thrown a no-hitter in his career and has been their opening-day starter in previous years. You get rid of all those guys last month, and all of a sudden you hit the road, these are the Oakland A's, of course, I'm referring to. You hit the, you start the season on a 10-game road trip against Tampa, Toronto, and Philadelphia. Those are three teams that all have playoff aspirations heading into the season. And you go 5-5. Five and five. You have guys like James Caprillion and Dalton Jeffries, like just complete nobodies pitching for you and in that lineup. And, of course, they go 5-5. Five and five. A very impressive 5-5, five and five, by the way. That's the Oakland way, of, of course. I mean, they have nobody in their lineup that anybody knows anything about. Their pitching staff consists of guys that were Rule 5 draft picks and guys that have spent years in the minor leagues and they've been tossed around different teams. That's the Oakland way. And I hate giving credit to them because I hate giving credit to organizations that refuse to spend money on players and continue to reap the benefits of it. But, of of course, it's Oakland doing their thing again. The American League West, in my opinion, there's an opening there. I know the Astros are still going to be competitive, of course, but losing George Springer a couple years ago and then losing Carlos Correa this offseason, that's a lot to come back from. So I do think there's an opening in the American League West. I don't see the A's coming out on top, per se, but of course we should have seen they were going to be more competitive than most expected. And you're talking about the American League West and their price being an opening, and we saw on Sunday, Matt Brash looked really good for the Seattle Mariners, and I take a look at the young talent for Seattle, in my opinion, are a year away from necessarily being that team, but I take a look at what is being built with the Seattle Mariners organization, and I really like what I'm seeing. Keep in mind, they wind up having Kyle Lewis miss pretty much all of last year. He was a 2020 American League Rookie of the Year. They went out, they actually added some pieces. Adam Frazier, Jesse Winker, and Eugenio Suarez. A lot of the guys said, you want to mention the Cincinnati Reds did not wind up retaining. Well, they wound up going out west. They went to the Mariners. They picked up Robbie Ray in the offseason and the bullpen that was so solid last year. That is intact. And I take a look at the Mariners. They wound up having that big giant run differential last season of like negative 50 and very nearly made the postseason. And if they wind up having a negative 50 run differential this year, I don't think that they're going to be so lucky. But I take a look at the Mariners and I like the way that they're ascending as well. They're an exciting team, aren't they? And it's fun to see the development and progression of Julio Rodriguez, who really struggled through his first week and a half of his debut in the big leagues. But I was able to watch their Saturday and Sunday games. He was able to pick up his first RBI on Sunday, and his at-bats have just looked better and better each and every time he's gotten to the dish. He just looks more comfortable. And, I mean, that's expected from a young player. He has a lot of pressure on his shoulders. All of Seattle fans, they're trying to get to the playoffs for the first time in more than two decades. And to put that on a young guy like Julio Rodriguez, top five prospect, everybody's been anticipating his call-up for a long time now. And to put that on that guy's shoulders, it's a lot of weight to hold. But Julio Rodriguez is looking better and better at the dish. Kellenic has been slow to start. Their rotation is sneaky. 
with Brash, as you mentioned. Logan Gilbert's an absolute stud, young stud. They added Robbie Ray, Chris Flexen. Excuse me, got dogs barking in the background here. They love Chris Flexen. They love Chris Flexen. They're big PBO <laughs> guys when Chris Flexen came over. But uh, anyways, their rotation is really sneaky. They had one of the best bullpens in the league last year. So if their young guys can just continue to develop, I mean, I think the I, I think the sky is the limit for the Mariners. If not this year, then maybe the next. Very fitting. Since the beginning of the 2021 season, one of the best underdog teams out here in Vegas has been the Seattle Mariners, and the dogs were barking for the Seattle Mariners. As we do have Danny Vietti, does absolutely great work with the Wake and Rake podcast, along with CBS Sports, joining me right here on the podcast. And Danny, when it comes to what we're going to be getting on Monday, no question, going to be a little bit of a shorter slate. You do wind up having some travel days. You've got a lot of fresh series. They're going to be getting gassed up, but is there a game or two or a pitcher or two that you're really going to be looking at for Monday? Because when it comes to what I'm going to be taking a look at, I do think that how Luis Garcia winds up performing for the Houston Astros is going to be big for their success. We've been talking a lot about this American League West, and I think that he's going to be a very key cog out there. So I'm very curious to see what he winds up doing. And then you mentioned Clayton Kershaw with that perfect game a few minutes ago. He winds up taking the mound for the first time since then against the Atlanta Braves. That's going to be very intriguing to me. Anything else really standing up for you when it comes to Monday? There's a guy named Alex Cobb that many baseball fans have come to know over the years. But I don't think people have seen the new Alex Cobb. A lot of people remember when he was back with Baltimore and he was a decently hard thrower, you know, 92 to 95. Well, if you haven't been paying attention, last year with Los Angeles, he had a pretty strong season. He uh, was throwing his fastball closer to 93 to 95, would touch 96. Well, this year with San Francisco, in typical San Francisco fashion way, they get these guys that maybe are trying to resurrect their careers, someone like Alex Cobb. And now Alex Cobb has been throwing consistently through his first two starts. He's been averaging on his fastball between 94 and 96. San Francisco, once again, finding these guys that just come out of nowhere. They get them to team-friendly contracts. Kevin Gosman's a name that comes to mind. He just signed a big deal at Toronto, but he was able to resurrect his career. He actually, interesting enough, got his start with Baltimore, similar with Alex Cobb, came over from Tampa Bay to Baltimore, and then went to L.A., and now with San Francisco. So Alex Cobb, he's going to be facing Tyler McGill of the Mets on Monday. And I got my eyes glued in on that matchup because Miguel's looked very strong in his first two starts. Alex Cobb is all of a sudden throwing 95, 96 consistently. And the Giants are seven and two. The Mets are seven and three. That's going to be a good battle out there in New York. And what was really shocking about Alex Cobb last season while I was pitching with the LA Angels, this is not necessarily a guy that has went out there and been a high strikeout guy for his career right around like seven-ish strikeouts per nine innings. Last season, while he was with the LA Angels, he wanted being able to ramp that thing way up. It was more around nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings. First five innings of this season, 10 punch-outs. So to your point, at 34 years old, Alex Cobb being able to get those punch-outs now at an advanced age, very intriguing. So I'm right there with you. And the Giants, look who's doing it once again. They're off to a 7-2 start to begin this season. So can never count that team out. And Someone that you've always got to be counting in for a lot of great content whenever he joins this podcast. That'd be you, Danny. You do absolutely amazing work over there at CBS Sports. You do a great job with the Wake and Rake podcast as well. And I know you're doing a great job of just taking a look at everything that we're getting out there in the MLB world. So take a, so let the good people at home know how they're able to follow you on social media and just what you've all got going on in general. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on as always. But we got a new episode on the Wake and Rake pod coming out this week. Just talking about the key takeaways, some of our biggest surprises, biggest disappointments from the first week and a half. 
and all my written work can be found uh, as always on cbssports.com. Danny does absolutely amazing work over there with CBS Sports and his own podcast, the Wake and Rake Podcast. You're able to catch that wherever you find this podcast. Danny joins me every few weeks on the podcast, and he always delivers the good. So it is always great to get him aboard. And fittingly enough, he's got very smart dogs as well that they bark whenever they whenever he talks about these Chris Seattle Mariners. Yes, I absolutely love it. Chris Flex is such a good money making pitcher last season out there in Major League Baseball. So that was tremendous. And Danny is absolutely tremendous as well. Big thanks to him for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. They give you picks and analysis and every game on the betting board for this MOB Monday as we touch them all. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my dance, <laughs> Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. 
Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my dance, <laughs> Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real, live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. Oh, my friends love it. I love that it's KidSafe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. 
we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the baseball betting show with myself, Greg Peterson. It is always a pleasure to get Danny Vietti. Does great work over there with CBS Sports. Does an amazing job with his own podcast, the Wake and Rake Podcast. He wound up joining me in the last segment. He delivered the goods. So a big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. And now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Monday as we... Touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GUnit underscore D1, and we're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go National League games first, then the American League games, and we've got one interleague game between the Rays and the Cubs that is going to be at the bottom. So if you're wondering why the earliest game, that'd be Twins versus Red Sox, it's going to be more towards the middle, it's because we wind up going with the National League games first. So that should answer your question there as we do begin with that first game of 901-902 on the betting board. The Arizona Diamondbacks set the road to face off against the Washington Nationals. Josiah Gray goes for the Nats and Mr. Mad Bum, Madison Bumgarner is going to be on the bump for the Snakes. The Diamondbacks are finding themselves as underdogs anywhere between plus 120 and plus 127. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it here with the Nats, it's anywhere between minus 135 and minus 140, finding a total of 8 on this game. Your over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 110, seeing a straight 8.5 out there. That under is minus 115 and the over is minus 105. And I'm going to be taking a look at this game over and you're going to notice because we've seen a lot of unders begin the year, these totals are shaded way down today. They've got one total that is north of nine right now, and that is out there at Coors Field. So, yep, we have seen a massive shift on these totals. We're going to be taking a look at quite a few overs, and this is going to be the first one. Set it at a 9.3 because got a guy in Josiah Gray that you just can't keep trust him to be able to keep the ball in the yard. First two starts of the year certainly have not been bad from nine innings pitch, 10 punch outs, but also wound up issuing five walks in that time span as well. This is someone that last season, you take a look at what wound up happening, and he was giving up darn near two home runs per nine innings, and Madison Baumgartner, not the guy that we all remember him to be. Now, first two starts of the year have not been bad, and he won a combined eight innings, giving up two runs, including one home run, but swing and miss stuff is not there, just four strikeouts, six walks in this time span as well, and the arms of Diamondbacks do not have a good bullpen whatsoever. You do take a look at it, and it's become a senior citizens club for this team. Oliver Perez, Mark Belanson, you're going to be relying upon these guys. Now, J.B. Wendelkin is someone that I actually legitimately do like, and I do think that if you wind up actually allowing Matt Peacock to become a long reliever rather than try to toy with him and have him become a starter, he's got a little bit of upside, and for the Washington Nationals, boy, this is not a good bullpen. You got Tanner Rainey, who wound up having a north of 70 RA last season. Andres Machado does not belong in an MLB roster. Sean Doolittle He's not doing very little for you. I mean, Victor Arano has become one of the better relievers for this team. That's not great. But you know what else is not great? The arrows in a Diamondbacks lineup, which it really makes it worse a piece situation because Josiah Gray is not a good pitcher. And you've got a Diamondbacks team that entered into yesterday hitting his collective a buck 52 and leaving the game on Sunday. You've got one guy on the roster that's hitting above a 212, and he didn't even wind up playing in yesterday's game. That would be Mr. Seth Beer. Hooray, Beer. So, yeah, that's not necessarily great. And for the Washington Nationals, they do have some good power on this team. You wound up having Nelson Cruz last year. Being able to give you 30-plus home runs has been a little bit slow out of the gates this season, but you've been able to have someone like A. Cesar Hernandez be able to get on base along with Mikel Franco. 
Juan Soto, he's got a 460 on base. He's already supplied a trio of home runs. Josh Bell has been able to go deep multiple times. So you do have some good power there, but I do take a look at Madison Bumgarner, Wiley veteran. I've got faith that he's going to be able to rate it in, do a little bit of a better job of command. I do think that the Arizona Diamondbacks, they aren't going to hit a buck 52 for the entirety of the year. This offense stinks. They don't stink that bad. So I do think that there's going to be positive regression because, well, they're going to get right spot here against Josiah Grapes at my total of 9.3. I'm looking over and I said Madison Bumgarner Gardner as a minus 102 favorite. So we're looking snakes and we're looking over in this spot. 903, 904 is the DK Nation pick. The San Francisco Giants hit the road face off against the New York Metropolitans. Tyler McGill is going to be going for the Mets. Alex Cobb is going to be on the bump for the San Francisco Giants. We've got our first six and a half total of the year. Total on this game is six and a half. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. So you can straight minus 125 out there as well. The under is anywhere between plus 105 and minus 110. And if you're taking a look at the Metropolitans, you're going to be finding them in between minus 115 and minus 125. Plus price here on the San Francisco Giants. Finding as bad as even money. Finding as good as a plus 113. And with the San Francisco Giants, I wound up setting them at plus 106. So seeing this little bit of a line move, they opened up at even money here now that they're at plus 110 in a lot of spots. I'm going to be willing to take a shot here on the Giants, but the DK Nation pick is on the over. We've went too far. Alex Cobb and Tyler McGill, even though the Mets ballpark city field is a little bit more pitcher friendly, this does not warrant a six and a half total. And this is with the San Francisco Giants having the best bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues last season. They were the only one that was sub three, and you've got a lot of those bullpen pieces back. You've got Dominic Leon, Zach Liddell, you've got Tyler Rogers, all these guys back in the fold. But with the San Francisco Giants, with regards to home runs hit in road games last year, they were number one in all the big leagues. And you've got Darren Ruff, who's back the fold for the team. He's had a little bit of a rough go of it this year, but I'm but you've also got Brandon Belt, someone who ever since the beginning part of last season has been aiming a home run every 12 at bats. Mikey Stremski since the beginning part of last season has been legitimately, if you look at the analytics, the most unlucky hitter in baseball. He's going to bust out Thario Estrada. He's been able to do a nice job of being able to get on base for you. Brandon Crawford, a little bit of a rough season for him. I think that he's going to be able to pick it up. You've got Joey Bart, Jock Peterson. Both of these guys have multiple home runs. Both of these guys north of a 380 on base and this is a Mets bullpen that it's just not what it once was last season. I mean, last season, you wind up having out there Aaron Loop with a 1 ERA. You wind up getting rid of Jurisic Familia as well. Miguel Castro was able to give this team good innings, and they're all now at the fold end. Edwin Diaz has just proved to be relatively unreliable for this team. You've got Seth Lugo, who's someone that I do like. He's had a little bit of a rough go of it to begin the season, but he had to wind up burning up Jason Shreve and Drew Smith yesterday as well. Now, you do take a look at the Mets, and this is a lineup that's actually very legitimate. Francisco Lindor, 442 on base to begin the year. Jeff McNeil, he's in that pocket as well. You've had Eduardo Escobar not necessarily hit for power, but it's been able to do a good job of being able to get on base for the team. J.D. Davis is a very underrated hitter. Pete Alonso, one of the best power hitters in all of baseball. Starling Marte of Marte Parte does a good job of being able to move the line, is able to give you stolen bases as well. So, I take a look at this spot. Even though you've got a pair of solid pitchers, Tyler McGill has yet to give up a run this season. Although, I will say, you take a look at those 2021 splits. He certainly was better at being able to keep the ball in the yard at home rather than on the road is home runs per nine rate relatively similar was a tad bit lower at home but so you look home and road nearly 1.8 home runs per nine innings that has to be an issue against the San Francisco Giants lineup and for Alex Cobb you take a look at what he wound up doing when he's away from Los Angeles last season and 
mean, the guy was able to put up some relatively good numbers at home, but on the road, 544 ERA wound up giving up just three home runs in 44 and a third innings, but opponents hit a 286 off of them, so the swing and miss stuff was not as prevalent there, so I do think that you've got yourself a good spot here for an over. Like, legitimately think about it. All you need is both teams to be able to get to three runs, and you've got your over right there. I think that both teams certainly are going to be able to do so. DK Nation pick is going to be on the over. I set my total at 8.7, and with the Giants set them at a plus 1.6, seeing them north of a plus 1.10 right now, going to be Take that plus price to go along with the DK Nation pick of the over. 905-906 on the betting board. You've got the Pittsburgh Pirates. They walk the plank to Milwaukee to face off against the Brewers. Eric Lauer is going to be going for the crew. Zach Thompson is going to be on the bump for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, a sizable underdog in this spot. Anywhere between plus 155 and plus 165. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the crew, you're going to be playing anywhere between minus 170 and minus 180. 8.5 is your total. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And the same goes for the under end. Spot in which I am going to be taking a look at an under in this spot. I wound up saying my total and at 7.9. It's just been a rough go of it for this Milwaukee Brewers lineup. You don't necessarily have a lot of power out there. I like what you're getting out of Rowdy Tellez from a power perspective. And Christian Yelich, whenever he's been out there, he's been looking a little bit more like that MVP form from a few seasons ago. Still certainly a far ways away from it. 359 on base, but only hitting right around the Mendoza line of 200. But and you've got 500 year old Andrew McCutcheon trying to carry this offense. William Thomas, Colt Wong, you're able to throw on there, Tyrone Taylor, Jace Peterson, all these guys hitting below the Meadows line of 200. In the matter of about two and a half years, Kesson Hira went from hip hip hira to hip hip boo. He's been hitting below the Meadows line of 200 for the last three years now. And you did take a look at Zach Thompson, and I feel like he's a badly underrated pitcher that the Miami Marlins should not have traded away. First start of the season, winds up going four innings. He does wind up giving up two runs in that spot. I do believe that we wind up seeing a starter two wind up getting skipped by him because he was dealing with a little bit of shoulders soreness, but that said, it looks like he's going to be able to make his start here, and with Thompson last season on the road, posted up a 3.44 ERA. We always take a look at these Miami Marlins pitchers and we wonder how much of it is the ballpark factors, but opponents hit a 2.21 off of them on the road last season. Three home runs given up in 31 and a third innings. Not necessarily the world's biggest sample size, but he was solid in for Eric Lauer. I do think that he's going to be able to bounce back after his first start of the year. Not so great against the Baltimore Orioles. Four runs, three of which were earned, given up in four and a third innings, but take a look at the way that he performed post-All-Star break last season after the All-Star break wound up having a sub-2.5 ERA. Not a guy that's going to go out there and get you like 10 strikeouts per nine innings or anything like that, but he's done a solid job of being able to cut down on the walks. That was really a big bugaboo for him throughout the season, and still last season wound up having right around three walks per nine innings, but he was really able to hone that in in the months of August, September, last season, really being able to keep things out in front of him, and I do think that he's going to be able to carry that over against a Pittsburgh Pirates lineup that we're going to call it what it is. It's one of the most boopy that you're able to find in all of baseball. You do have Yoshi Satsugo along with Ben Gamble, a couple cast-offs from former teams that they've been able to right around about a 235-ish apiece. Michael Chavis is off to a very nice start to the season. That's not going to last. I mean, you've right now got a situation where Daniel Vogelback has been leading off for the team. Mr. like 250-pound Daniel Vogelback. that is just not a place where you want to be right now. You've also had guys like Roberto Perez, Cole Tucker just not be able to produce for the team. And I will say, for the Pirates bullpen, it's not terrible. David Bernard is able to give you some solid innings. You're able to get some solid innings out of someone like a Chris Stratton as well. So, guys that are able to come in, they're able to hold down the four for you. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, they wound up having to use up a lot of their big bullets yesterday. Josh Hader wound up having to throw right around 20 pitches. Devin Williams, he threw north of 30 pitches and he did not look right. Jake Cousins, Trevor Gott, both of these guys have thrown in back-to-back days. So, got to figure that you're going to be seeing a nice 
helping of Brad Boxberger along with Hobie Milner coming out of the bullpen, likely a little bit of Brent Suter as well. But that said, because the Milwaukee Brewers are a little bit more hampered with regards to their bullpen, it does allow for a little bit of an advantage here for the poopy Pittsburgh Pirates to be able to pull out a little bit of a closer game. I wound up setting this line at 157. So getting north of that, seeing a lot of plus 160s, going to take a shot here on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Set my total at 7.9 as well, so taking the 8.5 under as well. 907-908 on the bagging board. The Philadelphia Phillies hit the road face off against the Colorado Rockies. Chad Cools going to be going for the Rockies and Aaron Supernola on the bump for the Phils. Phillies anywhere between a minus 154 and minus 164 favorite. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Rockies, it's anywhere between plus 140 and plus 154. 11 is your total. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. And I think that this is a pretty out-of-whack price. When I set the Rockies at minus 104, I think that a lot of people forget just how good the Rockies home and road splits were last season. And I think that we're going to see a lot of carryover into this season as well. And for Aaron Nola, throughout his entire career, he has at an ERA that's north of a point higher on the road than it is at home. And Aaron Nola is coming off a piece of poop start in which he allowed three runs in three and a third innings against the New York Mets. Gave up four runs in six innings against the Oakland A's. He has not been in good form to begin the year, giving up three bombs in his first two starts of the season. Pretty much picking up where he left off last season. And in 2021, he had a 527 road ERA, giving up 15 home runs in 99 innings. Now you need him to go to Coors Field and be able to keep the ball in the yard. This is not a recipe for success right here. You do take a look at Chad Cool, and I felt like if the Pirates would have given him a little bit more of a shot, he had a little bit of potential for success for start of the year against the Texas Rangers on the road. Gives up one run in four and a third innings, and just when you wind up going up to elevation in general, we notice this with teams, and we even notice it with the Rockies themselves. When they wind up going up to slash leaving elevation for that first game, you are going to see a little bit of a drop-off with regards to production. Now, there's no question that the Phillies are going to be able to put up a few runs in this game. You've got Nick Cassianos, Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, they're able to fill out that outfield, and these guys are absolutely tremendous. Now, Schwarber off to a very rough start to begin the year, but all three of these guys have been able to give you a pair of bombs this season. Gene Segura has been out of the fold a little bit, and you've been having Yohan Camargo get some at-bats. He's been looking very solid for the scene, but you also take a look at the Colorado Rockies. CJ Crone is just an absolute hitting machine when it comes to his time out there with the Colorado Rockies. Wound up having at home last season two-thirds of his home runs coming in Coors Field. He's already got five bombs thus far this season. Connor Joe, he's hitting a 361 thus far. Chris Bryant, he's come over. He has looked tremendous. You've even gotten something out of the catcher spot as Elias Diaz is hitting a 345. These guys for the Rockies all hit like 70 points higher at home than they do on the road. I wish I was making that set up, but I'm really not. You take a look at their home and road splits from last season. They're so demonstrative, and this is a Phillies bullpen that they're a little bit revamped. They wind up bringing in Brad Hand, Jersich Familia. They've got Corey Knable, but still, they still have a couple guys that you do wind up questioning. And for the Rockies, guys like Daniel Bard, someone like a Carlos Aceves, they pitch so much better at home than they do on the road as well. I think that that is going to be the case once again here. I feel like we are not giving enough respect to home field here with the Colorado Rockies. I feel like the Rockies should be the favorite in this spot, so I'm going to be taking that plus price. Did wind up setting my total at a 10.7 as well. I think that Nola is going to be a little bit better than what we wound up seeing for two starts of the season, but I also think that Chad Cool going to be able to rein it in as well. So, looking at an under and looking at the Colorado Rockies. 9 to 9, 9 10 on the betting board. You've got the Slam Diego Padres playing goes to the Cincinnati Reds. Nick Lodolo is going to be going for the Red Legs, and Sean Mane is going to be on the bump for the Padres. Padres are finding themselves 
as favorites here. Anywhere between minus 159 and minus 170. Meanwhile, plus price with the red legs is anywhere between plus 149 and plus 155. 7.5 to 8 is your total on the 8. Under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. On the 7.5, over is minus 110 and minus 115. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. And when it comes to Slam Diego Padres, set them at a minus 185. With the Cincinnati Reds, Hunter Green is going to be a star in this league for a very long time for them. Nick Lodolo, I think he's going to be able to figure it out, but he just seems a little bit raw at this point. If it weren't for the fact that Luis Castillo is currently injured, I think that we would probably be seeing Lodolo wind up getting the call up a little bit later. And you take a look at his first start, he just got banged around like a pinata. Four innings pitch, he gives up seven hits, two of which are bombs. Five runs in total, wound up having three walks, and he just did not wind up looking good in general. You just take a look at Nick Lodolo and what he wound up doing at the minor league level, and yeah, he wound up putting up nice stats, but you've got to be taking a little bit more of a look at why Nick Lodolo wound up having those very good stats. And I think that it would make a lot of sense as to why he wound up playing against subpar competition. He's got three career starts at the AAA level. He went six and two-thirds innings in those three starts. I mean, this is a guy that he wound up having a grand total of 13 starts last season between AA and AAA, tore it up at the AA level to his credit. Opponents were just not able to pair him up in general. 0.2 home runs per nine innings. He was averaging 14 punch-outs per nine innings. But the difference between Double H and Nuga and the big leagues, it is very, very stark. He was able to do some cell work at TCU, by the way, as well, to his credit. But I take a look at it, and this is a big step up in competition. And he's going up against a guy in Sean Manea, who he has looked very dominant here with the San Diego Padres. First two starts, 13 innings pitch. He has wound up giving up two runs in those starts. Did not wind up giving up a single home run. He has been locating it very well. He has been rocking and rolling. And for the San Diego Padres, they certainly are dealing with a couple of injuries. When it comes to the lineup, C.J. Abrams has had to fill in for Fernando Tatis Jr., who knows how long he's going to be out. But Manny Machado, Eric Hosmer in the middle of the lineup. Both of these guys are hitting well above a throne. After a really bad 2021, it looks like Awesome Kim has really been able to pick it up, has been able to get on base. Never is necessarily going to be a power guy for the team, but is able to keep the line moving. That's very big for the team. Trent Christian, he wound up having a cataclysmically bad last season. I think that he's going to be able to pick it up. Jerks and Profar has been able to give you a few home runs. And for the San Diego Padres, this is a very dominant bullpen. I take a look at what you've got, and I think that you're able to rely upon Pedro Avila. You've got Taylor Rogers in there now, Craig Stammen, a Wiley veteran, Pierce Johnson. All these guys are able to give you very solid innings. And when it comes to the Cincinnati Reds, Tony Santillan is someone that I actually do like for this team. And whenever you have Luis Sessa out there, I think that he's able to offer some very solid innings as well. But you take a look at Jeff Hoffman, Alexis Diaz, along with Art Warren, all these guys. Guys having to throw 19 plus pitches yesterday that depletes them a little bit and for the Cincinnati Reds we were talking about Danny Vietti they're currently hitting as a collective right around a buck 85 and that was prior to them going four of 30 in their game against the LA Dodgers on Sunday Tyler Stevenson at the catcher spot has really been one of the team's best hitters hitting at 259 he's been able to supply a pair of homers Taylor Naquin Kyle Farmer both of these guys hitting above 270 and Brad Jury has been able to give you a pair of home runs but Mike Moussakis just does not look fully recovered from his injury Joey Votto is going to pick it up we saw it after the all-star break last season but it's been a little bit rough for him Tommy Pham is literally hitting a 038 right now Jake Fraley does not belong on a major league roster R.E.C. De Sacchino ever since he wound up having that big month of August a few seasons ago he has done a big giant 
nothing burger. So I did take a look at this spot, and I do think that Nick Lodolo is going to be in for a very, very rough outing, and I do think that the Padres have a good chance to be able to put a big giant hurting on him, which is why I do mind setting this line at 185. Did I end up making my total 8.2 as well? Because I think that the majority of these runs are going to be given up by our good friends, the Cincinnati Reds. I do think that the Padres might wind up surrendering a few. I do think that the Reds are going to be able to get online a little bit more with their offense, but with the Padres, I was willing to lay a price with the run line. I'm currently seeing it anywhere between plus 120 and plus 125. I recognize that you're rolling the dice a little bit with taking the run line of the home team, but I'm going to be willing to take that run line here with the San Diego Padres, and I'm going to be willing to take a 7.5 over as well. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. The LA Dodgers are going to be playing on the Atlanta Braves. Wascata Yanoa is going to be going for the Braves, and Clayton Kershaw is going to be on the bump for the Dodgers. Dodgers. And we're between minus 180 and minus 188 favorites. And you're finding the Atlanta Braves anywhere between plus 165 and plus 173. 8 to 2, 8.5 is your total. On the 8.5, under is minus 120. And the overs even. On the 8, over and under are both at minus 110. And when it comes to Dodgers, set them at a minus 166 on the money line. If you're looking at the run line, I need at least a plus 118 to take a shot there. It's right now even money. That is just not something that I would really want to be taking a look at. And if this winds up actually dipping a little bit more, the Atlanta Braves raise run line if I'm able to get more like a minus 110 to a minus 115 rather than a minus 120 because the minimum that I'm able to get is minus 118 with regards to my line so I would need a minus 118 or better to be able to take a shot on that Atlanta Braves run line but that is something that I could entertain because I set this money line at 166 as of right now I would land on Atlanta Braves getting right around a plus 170 plus 173 best number that I would be able to get but that said that is something that I could wind up entertaining in this spot if we wind up seeing the run line wind up getting back quite a bit by the Dodgers and that does wind up happening in quite a few of these games. Now with Yanoa, you know, whatever says he wanted burning his hand, this guy has not necessarily been the same guy. He starts out the year with a big giant stink burger of a start, winds up giving up five runs over the course of three innings. That's not necessarily great. And you take a look at last season. First two months of the season, guy was rolling, winds up coming back from injury, and after that, he winds up having an ERA that is north of five. So want, want, ch- ch- that's what winds up happening when you wind up punching your hand on a bench. So, congratulations there. But you do take a look at Clayton Kershaw, and everyone's buzzing about what he wanted doing in his first start, and he was magnificent. 13 strikeouts in seven perfect innings. You gotta feel like there's gonna be a little bit of regression here because there's literally no way that he's able to follow it up and do any better unless if they actually let him go the full nine innings. But you do take a look at the Dodgers. They have been the most consistent offense out there in the big leagues thus far. They have scored at least four runs in seven out of their nine games. Only other team that's able to say that, by the way, is the Chicago Cubs. But just take a look at all these guys. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner down for what? Justin Turner down for what? Max Muncy, Will Smith. All these guys, when it's all said and done, they're going to hit at least a 260. They're all going to hit for at least 20 home runs. And Cody Bellinger has actually done a little bit of subbing as well. 351 on base. He doesn't look like MVP Cody Bellinger, but he has certainly looked a little bit better. Gavin Lux has a 455 on base as well. And then you take a look at the flip side for the Atlanta Braves. And hitting is really not the issue for this team. Ozzy, Ozzy, Ozzy. Albies, Albies, Albies. Four home runs already this season. Matt Olson, he's able to hit a pair of bombs. He's gotten north of a 500 on base ever since he's went to Atlanta. Austin Riley's been able to get on base. Marcel. Zuna after everything that wound up happening last year. He's hit a trio of home runs. He's been hitting right around 300-ish. Travis Arnoa has been able to reach base for you as well, so both of these teams have been hitting very well. I do think that Yanoa is going to be able to lock in a little bit more, and he's backed up by a very good bullpen. A.J. Minter is able to give you some solid innings. You've got Darren O'Day back in the fold for this team as well, so you've got guys that you're able to rely upon. We wound up seeing that in the postseason last year, and for the Dodgers, they've got a top five bullpen in their own right with regards to ERA. Craig Kimbrell, Bruce Sudo, you're able to rely upon these guys. Late in the game, you've got 
a guy in Justin Brule, who I think is underrated, even Evan Phillips, has been able to give you some good innings as well. I do think that both of these offenses are going to be able to get to the opponent's starting pitcher, so I did wind up setting this total at an 8.7, so I'm going to be willing to take the 8 over in this spot, but that said, here with the Atlanta Braves, if we wind up seeing a shift on the run line, if I'm able to get more like a minus 110-ish, I'd be willing to entertain that as of right now, right around a plus 170-ish. Going to be taking a look at the Atlanta Braves as I set my line at plus 166 on the money line. 9-13, 9-14 on the main board. The Boston Red Sox are going to be playing us to the Minnesota Twins. Also, keep in mind, this is an early one. First pitch, 11-10 a.m. Eastern time. If you're looking Pacific time, that would be 8-10 a.m. So, this is going to be early, but you got for the Minnesota Twins, Dylan, don't call me Al Bundy. in the road face off against the Boston Red Sox. We trot out the Rich Hill. Rich Hill and company are finding themselves in between minus 134 and minus 145 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're looking at your plus price here with the Minnesota Twins, you're going to be getting it in between plus 118 and plus 125. And it is a tried and true tradition out there in Boston because it is a little bit of everything that's going on. You've got tax and I think that this is a President's Day thing that they wind up doing every single year as well. I might be mistaken on this, but you've always got the Boston Marathon, which is why you wind up having a super duper early game on this Monday. So it is a little bit of a tradition unlike any other, but what is also something that you don't want is a cranky old man up very early, and that's what you've got here with Rich Hill. He's 42 years old. He's a senior citizen in terms of MLB years, and he's going to have to try to perform it before noon, so that's not essay too great. First start of the year, not great, not terrible. Wines going four and a third innings. Wines giving up three runs to the Detroit Tigers, Rays, and you take a look at what he wanted doing last season while he was with the Tampa Bay Rays and the New York Metropolitans. 386 ERA, still has some relatively good swing and miss stuff, right around eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings, but the big thing is, this is a guy that's now giving up some bombs, right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings last season, and for the Minnesota Twins, a little bit of a feast or famine lineup, but you do have Byron Buxton, who's been able to give you a trio of home runs. Big issue for him is that he did wind up getting injured in the game, I believe it was on Saturday, so gotta figure that he's gonna be out the full once again in this one, but you still have Luis Arias, who does a solid job being able to reach base for you. Ore Palanco is someone that I like. He's able to give you a little bit of power. He's able to hit for average. Carlos Correa, he's been off to a relatively cold start to begin the year. Got to figure that he's going to be able to pick it up. Big question is, can Max Kepler and Miguel Sano hit for any sort of average whatsoever? Because both of these guys are good power hitters, but Miguel Sano is literally hitting below 100 right now. Max Kepler below at 200, so that's a little bit of an issue. Gary Sanchez, he's a guy that has been able to do a solid job of being a reach base thus far, and Gio Urshela was an offseason signing that I liked as well, and for the Boston Red Sox, we know all about this lineup. They're going to be in the top 10 in pretty much every offensive category this season. I'm not sure how Trevor Story is going to be able to perform away from Coors Field, but thus far, not too bad for him. And then you take a look at what you're able to get in the meat of the lineup. Rafael Devers, who had 38 home runs last season. Currently, he's hitting a 368. Sander Bogarts, he hit right around a 3 on last season. He's going to do that once again this season. J.D. Martinez, he's going to hit for 275. He's probably going to hit another 30 home runs this season. He's already up to 6 RBI. Bobby Dalbeck off to a little bit of a cold start. He's going to be able to pick it up and them for the Boston Red Sox bullpen. You did wind up using Garrett Woodlock for quite a few pitches a little bit earlier in the series, but you could have someone like an Austin Davis who wound up throwing nine pitches yesterday be able to come back for you at a Casa Sotomora. It's someone I like along with Ryan Brazier. And for the Minnesota Twins, it is a bullpen that is a little bit depleted right now. Ore Ocala is out of the fold for the team, so that is a little bit of an issue. Yuan Romaro is someone that is a little bit hot and cold as well as Johan Duran. Duran, I think, has some upside, but a little bit of a raw guy. Danny Columbia, you've got to be looking at for some long relief. And Emilio Pagan, boy, that guy wound up giving up a bunch of home runs last season. So, I do think that it's going to be a little bit tough. And for Dylan, don't call me Al Bundy. It's been very inconsistent. In that condensed 2020 season, he was actually a relatively good pitcher. And then you take a look at what he wound up doing last season, 
Good grief, he was terrible. 2-9 record. It got so bad he was getting thrown out of the bullpen. 6-06 ERA. He wanted blocking 34 guys in 90 and two-thirds innings. And he gave up long balls like it was his business. So you've got a very inconsistent Dylan Bundy. You've got these bats who are going to be up very early in the AM. Semi-total at 9.1. I do recognize that it's an early AM game, but I default a little bit more to the offense being able to get going. And I think that a change of scenery was needed for Dylan Bundy. I think that we're going to see a little bit more of what we wound up seeing the first time around from in his first start of the season. Looked very solid. Winds up throwing five shutout innings. And I think that Dylan Bundy is being a little bit undervalued here. Set my line at plus 123. So getting north of plus 125. Going to be taking a shot here on the Minnesota Twins. Going to be taking the nine over as well. 915, 916 on the banging board. The Cleveland Indians. I should say the Cleveland Guardians. I'm going to do that a lot on this podcast. They're going to be playing the Chicago White Sox. Dallas Keuchel goes for the White Sox. So does Tim McKenzie goes for the Guardians. And the Guardians are finding themselves in a relative pick'em game here. Finding them as good as even money, as bad as minus 115. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the White Sox, you're finding them as bad as a minus 110. You're finding them pretty much as good as a minus 105. And your total on this game, it is between 7.5 and 8. On the 8, the unders anywhere team, minus 110 and minus 120. The overs anywhere team, even a minus 110. And on the 7.5, overs anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. The unders anywhere between even a plus 105. And with Dallas Keuchel and Tristan McKenzie going, I don't see how you wind up having this low of total. Now, the Guardians have cooled off a little bit with their series against the San Francisco Giants, but you still take a look at what this team is doing. And got a lot of guys that have been surprisingly good this year. The Guardians as a collective, they're currently in. Hitting a 281 with a 354 on base. Once again, I don't think that they're going to be able to maintain this, but Amit Rosario, Miles Straw, Jose Ramirez, along with Stephen Kwan, and then you're able to throw in there Owen Miller. All these guys have a double digit amount of hits this season, and we all talk about Stephen Kwan. It's Owen Miller who's currently hitting a 500, and Jose Ramirez. 457 batting average, 15 RBI, and 3 home runs. Now, if he continues this, we should just put his plaque in the Hall of Fame if he winds up having these stats at the end of the year and he's able to qualify with the minimum amount of at-bats for all those batting titles and everything like that. You also take a look at Framio Reyes, who actually has really been struggling this year. He's a guy that's a big bopper for this team. He wound up hitting 30 home runs last season, so this is a Guardian team that they've got some firepower, and they're going up against a guy in Dallas Keiko who's legitimately terrible at this point of his career. A guy that is not able to give you swings misses. In 2021, this is a gentleman that wound up posting up a 528 ERA. His strikeout to walk rate was 1.6, and you take a look at what he wound up doing when he was away from Chicago, and he wound up posting up a 575 ERA with opponents hitting a 310 off of him, and he gave up 31 walks in 81 in a third innings. He's not getting swings and misses, and he's applying a lot of walks. That is not a good combination right there. Now, with the White Sox, this is a relatively solid bullpen. You've got a lot of guys that you're going to be able to rely upon. Lee Metrics, I think, is a tad bit overrated as a closer, but still a very solid guy. Bennett Sousa has been able to give you good innings this year. Matt Foster, Kyle Crick, these guys are solid. And then you take a look at Kendall Graveman, and he's one of the better relievers out there in baseball, but you take a look at the Cleveland Guardians, Emmanuel Classe. This guy is just a shutdown reliever for this team. I love what he's able to bring to the table. You're able to get a little bit of long relief out of guys like a Sam Antages, like a Logan Allen, Eli Morgan. So you've got that covered. Connor Pilkington, I think that he's got a lot of upside for this team. Nick Sandlin is able to give you good innings as well. And you do 
take a look at Tristan McKenzie. He wound up just having absolutely no command whatsoever at the beginning part of the 2021 season. After he wound up getting sent down to the minor leagues, he pitched so much better. In the months of August through October, his ERA was more around a 3-ish. He was able to take a walks per 9 rate that was right around 7, and he cut it by a third. So, I mean, he was really doing a good job of being able to locate his pitches. First start of the season, winds up getting 7 punch-outs over the course of 7 innings, wound up allowing just 2 runs in that span as well. So, I like the form that he's coming into. I like the fact that the Guardians are able to back him up with a little bit of offense. Obviously, this is a White Sox team that they themselves do a good job of being able to bat the ball. You've got to expect that you're going to see a little bit of cooling from someone like an Andrew Vaughn, who's already had multiple home runs this season. He's been able to do a solid job hitting a 348. Luis Robert, Jose Abreu, along with Eli Jimenez, hitting a 225 or lower. That's something that's going to change. Yasmani Grandal seeing a little bit of regression to the mean after he wound up hitting a 240 last year with a 420 on base. That's just not sustainable, but I do take a look at this spot, and I do think that McKenzie going to be able to do a solid job here for the Guardians. I did wind up saying the Guardians, as a result, more around about a minus 116 favorite, so won't take the Guardians in the spot. Semi-total at 9.2 as well. This is a pitching matchup that should not warrant a 7.5 total, so we're looking over, and we're looking Guardians. 917-918 on the main board. The Houston Astros going to be playing OC LA Angels. Michael Lorenzen is going to be going for the Halos, and Luis Garcia is going to be on the bump for Houston. Houston has found themselves at 14 minus 145 and minus 151. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Halos, getting them between plus 135 and plus 141. Nine is your total. Over and under, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And with the Astros, set them as a minus 155 on the money line. If you're looking at the run line price, right now finding it anywhere between plus 125, seeing high watermarks of a plus 135, I'm going to be willing to take the run line in this spot just because this is an Angels bullpen that you're able to do that against because this Angels bullpen is absolutely terrible. Now, they did wind up bringing in Aaron Loop. That helps him out a little bit. Ryan Tavera could be a little bit up and down, but I do expect him to be able to give you some relatively decent production. That said, you still have a big giant roll of the dice with a lot of these gentlemen, like an Oliver Ortega. You've got to be asking yourself, is Andrew Warren a guy that should be up at the big league level right now? But you do take a look at Luis Garcia, and he wound up pitching just so much better when he was in the city of Houston rather than on the road last season. Someone who had some of the most demonstrative home and road splits, they were able to find it all based on a guy that I think has a lot of upside for this team because you take a look at what he was able to do with regards to his strikeouts per nine rate last season, and he was able to get right around 10 strikeouts per nine, but at home last season, 239 ERA, 424 on the road, gave up eight home runs in 79 innings at home, 11 bombs in 76 and a third innings on the road, so that is very, very big for this gentleman. And then you take a look at Michael Lorenzen. First start of the year was very solid from six innings, gives up one run against the Miami Marlins, but take it with a little bit of a grain of salt because, well, it was against the Miami Marlins, and this is someone that he is being tried out as a starter for the first time in a very long time. Wound up seeing 21 starts in the 2015 campaign with the Cincinnati Reds, and ever since then has started three games or fewer in a season in every one of them. So this is a little bit of an experiment here for the LA Angels. So you got to think that the bullpen needs to be on call, and you wound up having Mike Trout get hit by a pitch, having to leave the game yesterday. For the LA Angels, that is a big deal right there. Shoy Otani, we all know what this gentleman is capable of. Had three home runs in that series against the Texas Rangers over the weekend. You do have a few guys that have been able to step up for the team. Matt Duffy along with Jack Mayfield have been able to do a solid job of being a reach base, but you still have a couple dead bats. 
Joe Adele's not someone I expect a lot from. Andrew Velasquez has been hitting below the Mendoza line of 200 as well. And then you take a look at what you're able to get out of the Houston Astros. This is a team that they've been a little bit slow with regards to their offense thus far this season. They've been dealing with a couple of injuries. Jordan Alvarez most likely going to be out due to COVID-19 protocols once again in this game as well. But you take a look at Michael Brantley. Always does a great job of being a reach base for you. A guy that is going to hit 300 when it's all set in on. Jose Altuve is only hitting above 56 this season. We all know that that's going to turn around. Kyle Tucker, Alex Bregman, both of these guys have multiple home runs to be able to begin the season. And this is just a team that doesn't strike out in general. With regards to Houston Astros, dating back to the beginning of the 2020 season, fewest strikeouts per at-bat of any team in baseball. I do think that they're going to be able to provide Luis Garcia some run support. I did wind up saying the total at 8.8. I do think that Lorenzo, even though he's not necessarily going to go deep in this game, I think that he's going to be relatively effective. I do think that the Angels are going to have a little bit of a tough time with Mike Trout being out of the fold, being able to generate runs, and this is an Astros bullpen that I do like them. Ryan Presley most likely going to be on the shelf for this game, but you still have a lot of guys that you're able to look to, like a Ronald Blanco. He's a young guy that I think is going to be able to be a solid cog in this bullpen. Blake Taylor, You've got Hector Neris on the fold for this team as well. So I do take a look at the spot. I'm looking at an under, and I'm looking at the Astros on the run line. We move on to 919-920 on the betting board. The Baltimore Orioles hit the road face off against the Oakland A's. One of Frankie Montas is going to be going for the Oakland A's. And Spencer Watkins is going to be going for the Orioles. Orioles are finding themselves as a sizable underdog here. Anywhere between plus 159 and plus 170. Meanwhile, with the A's, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 175 and minus 190, and your totals anywhere between 7.5 and 8. On 7.5, overs minus 120, and the unders even. On the 8, unders anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120, the overs anywhere between even and minus 105. And I'm looking at a run line here of the Oakland A's. Right now, you're finding that in a lot of places anywhere between plus 115 and plus 120. And with the Oakland A's, anything of a plus 110 or greater, I was willing to take a shot on. So this is going to be a case which, rather than take the Baltimore Orioles money line, because I am barely there on it. I wound up setting it at a plus 167, so at plus 170, it's a three-set differential, but it's there on the money line, but I see a little bit more on the run line, and I just don't want any part of taking the Baltimore Orioles. I'm just going to call it what it is, and for the Baltimore Orioles, by the way, they have yet to play a game over the total this season. I do think that that is going to be turning around, because this is a bullpen that's so poopy that they're going to be giving up a whole bunch of runs. I mean, you take a look at it. You're right now relying upon Marcos Deplan. Felix Bautista, Paul Fry, Cionel Perez, you're able to throw in there, Travis Lincoln Sr. These are the guys that you're relying upon out there in the bullpen. And for the Oakland A's, this is a very solid bunch, but their bullpen does worry me a little bit as well. Adam Kolarik has been a little bit up and down his career. I actually do like portray we get out of Sam Mall. Lou Trevino, we've seen his trials and tribulations as a closer as well. And maybe deal with a little bit of an injury to Deolis Carrero, Domingo Acevedo, as that is rough goes with it as well. And for Frankie Montas, he's always been a little bit of an up and down starter. First start of the year was not good against the Philadelphia Phillies. Five runs given up in five innings. Comes back, gives up two runs, one of which was earned against the Tampa Bay Rays, and was able to get the W in the second start. And you do take a look at Montas, someone who has relatively consistent home and road splits just throughout his career in general. Just take a look at last season. 334 ERA at home, 340 ERA on the road. He does a little bit better job of being able to keep the ball in the yard at home. And with Oakland, this is a ballpark that during the nighttime, you wind up getting the marine layer out. It's really hard to be able to hit it out. But you take a look at this Oakland A's team. They do a good job of just being able to move the runner forward. They do a nice job of being able to find a way on base. And they've already got a tray of guys with multiple home runs this year. Seth Brown, Sean Murphy, along with Chad Pinder. These guys have been great. And Christian Bachet, he's a guy that has been a very highly touted prospect for many years. He's been doing a little bit more with the bad 235 average. He's got himself a home run. He's been solid. Elvis Andrews was one of the most 
Unlucky hitters with regards to batting average versus expected batting average last season. He's hitting right around at 250 this season. Sheldon Noisy, he's been able to do a nice job of being a reach base as well. And for the Baltimore Orioles, Cedric Mullins is someone I like. He, along with Ryan Mountcastle, were both able to hit 25 plus home runs last season. These two guys are legitimate poppers that could be able to play in any lineup. Trey Boomer Mancini is hitting right around a 235-ish. You gotta expect the power to be able to pick up from a little bit, but it's an Orioles team that right now they've got four home runs this season. Anthony Santander is able to reach base for you. Jorge Mateo, he's a little little bit suspect and Ramon Odias last season wound up hitting at 275. He's had a buck 56 thus far, but when you've got guys like Rude Odor, Robinson Chirinos, Anthony Benboom, who are looking to have a second stanza in their career, well, none of these guys are necessarily coming through for you. And then you take a look at Spencer Watkins. His first start of the year wasn't necessarily too terrible. Three innings pitch, he winds up giving up one earned run against the Milwaukee Brewers. He was the victim of three unearned runs. The Fielding by him was not necessarily so great, but I do take a look at what he wound up doing last season, and he might have been the worst starter out there in the big leagues. He had an 807 ERA. They wound up, for some reason, giving him 10 starts. He gave up 14 home runs in 54 and two-thirds innings. His walks per nine rate was well north of three and a half. I mean, this is a guy that there's just not really a lot of trusting him. Now, if there's one thing that does work in his advantage, his home ERA was a 1031. His road ERA was a 540, so I guess you're able to take a little bit of something there, but I think that the Oakland A's are going to be able to jump all over Mr. Watkins, and then they're able to get into that poopy bullpen and just generate more runs. I'm going to be taking a look at the Oakland A's on the run line in this spot. Would much rather have that than the Baltimore Orioles money line here, and I wound up saying my total at 8.6, so looking at an over as well, I mean, we wrap things up with 921, 922 on the betting board. The Chicago Cubs are going to be playing us to the Tampa Bay Rays. Shane McClanahan is going to be going for the Rays, and Kyle Hendricks, the professor, is on the bump for the Chicago Cubs. The Cubs are finding themselves as relatively sizable underdogs here. You're going to be getting them in between plus 123 and plus 130. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it with the Rays, anywhere between minus 137 and minus 145. Right now, Circa is the only book that has a total up on this game. Most books, they wind up waiting until the AM because you take a look at the wind and everything like that, and it opened up at 7.5. It has jumped to 8 with the under at minus 115 and the over at minus 105, and I do wind up saying my total at a 6.9 in this game because the wind looks like it's going to be blowing in, especially late in the game. It's going to be a little bit more directional throughout this one, and it is going to be whipping very hard, it appears, out there in Chicago. So I do think that that is going to cause for inclement conditions when it comes to hitters. And you know who pitches really well with the wind blowing in and the wind blowing all over the place other than out? That would be the Professor Kyle Hendricks, who throughout his career has a ERA that's nearly a point half lower at home than it is on the road. I mean, this season, you got good splits. Buck 69 ERA at home, 14.73 on the road, obviously. We're going to see that get rained in a little bit more, but with Kyle Hendricks, he's just such a more dominant pitcher at home than on the road, and I don't think that bookmakers are respecting that quite as much as they should, and take a look at Shane McClanahan. For two starts of the year, he's been relatively solid. Combined nine innings, giving up three runs, nothing really to complain about, although it was against the Oakland A's and the Baltimore Orioles. We're going to call it what it is, two of the not necessarily world's greatest lineups out there. Now, to McClanahan's credit, actually had a better road ERA than a home ERA last season, giving up fewer home runs per nine innings as well, so he was able to do a solid job keeping the ball in the yard there, but with the Tampa Bay race, even though this team is a complete and utter magician when it comes to utilizing their bullpen, they did wind up having to use up a lot of guys yesterday as you wound up having Jalen Beeks, Chris Mazza, J.P. Fireisen, Ryan Thompson, along with Tommy Romero, all wind up having to use up 
pitches and at least one inning. Thompson is the only guy that wound up throwing fewer than 17 pitches, so it's a bunch in the Tampa Bay Rays that they are going to be looking to dumpster dive a little bit more with the bullpen. Andrew Kittredge, he is going to be available in this game. Brooks Verley as well. Matt Weisler, you got to figure that he's going to be on call, but you did take a look at the Chicago Cubs, and they have been able to get a little bit out of Jesse Chavez. I do like Michael Givens out there in the bullpen, and for the Cubs, they've actually been a very consistent offense. Four-plus runs scored in seven out of their nine games this season. Now, they are going to be traveling away from Coors, and when you wind up going down from elevation, that is something that does wind up affecting you a little bit, and I do think that some of these bats are going to have a little bit of a tough time adjusting now. C.I. Suzuki winds coming in from the Nippon Baseball League. Boy, he has been hot. Four home runs and it is hitting a 400 here to begin the season. Frank Schwindel, he's hitting right around a 257. He's been able to do a solid job of being able to reach base. Wilson Contreras has been able to give the team multiple home runs as well. Nick Madrigal got off to a little bit of a rough start. He's now starting to find it as well. Ian App, he's continuing his hot start from last season. He is hitting a 346 after last season. He came out guns blazing the final two games of the season. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, they've been very inconsistent with their bats. And that's really the Tampa Bay Rays way. They do have a lot of guys that get on base for average, like Wander Franco. G-Man Choi, Randy Orozarena. You're even able to throw in their Manuel Margot. And then you've got your guys like Brandon Lau along with Mike Zanino that they don't do a great job with their average, but they go out for 30-plus home runs on any given season. But I do think the Kyle Hendricks going to do a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. Very much a pitch-to-contact guy. A guy that's able to go deep into games because he doesn't wind up giving up a lot of walks. So, I did wind up saying the Cubs as a minus-103 favorite. I'm going to be willing to take them here. And if we wind up seeing 7.5 slash 8s like we've been seeing at Circa thus far, going to be taking a look at that under as I set my total at a 6.9. Now we'll wrap things up for the Monday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN Family and Podcast. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Citra, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea. Whatever you for this podcast, you've got one or two ways to be able for those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at gunit underscore d1. Keep a vine letters EM. Amy does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. And the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five-star review. I'm going to be coming at you guys every single day throughout the MLB season, and that means I'm going to be coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. 
Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you, because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.